0: This is andy wakefield and this is the andy wakefield podcast this is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before
1: hi i'm laurie gregory welcome back to the andy wakefield podcast this is episode number 18 andy here we go nice to have you out of the studio for a moment
0: (laughs) we're in the middle of trying to complete the first movie ever finished remotely It's testing everything that we have, but we're getting there. We are almost there. We're almost ready to launch the film um, on schedule. So we're very, very pleased. Well,
1: remotely and as the narrative is still unfolding real time, in a sense, because of what we're seeing with COVID-19 and our country's shutdown, which has been going on for weeks, we are hoping that we're at the point now where we're getting to start to open up some states. And Jim, we're so grateful to you uh, for pinch hitting for us. We will have Roger Stone on next week. We're very excited about that. Roger had some business to attend to today. So we really appreciate, Jim, you are our favorite guest to have on. And we are so grateful to you for Jumping in to continue our dialogue about Wu-Flu, hopefully this will be one of the last dialogues we have about Wu-Flu. It does look like the states are starting to move toward opening up. I know the president has been making the statement repeatedly that states will be responsible for determining, to a certain extent, what the health policy will look like. And we have extremes, if you look at North Dakota on one end, where I think they were going to start to open up today, and California, who... Newsom is now stating that there will be no large crowd gatherings until there's a vaccine. Could we have a more extreme end of the paradigm here?
2: Well, part of Trump's point from the press conference is that his genius in leaving it up to the states, where each, each state is quite different, South Dakota. South Dakota never really did shut down at all. They only got seven deaths in the state. Uh, so many, many more have died of the seasonal flu than the Wu flu. Really, a state like South Dakota or Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, even Florida have an entirely different picture public health wise than to do California and New York. Even between those two, the death rate in New York is ten times what it is in California.
1: Now we know that we're looking at public policy divided on party lines. And you had said a couple podcasts ago, Jim, as long as we have a blue team president, there will be aggressive health policy that nips the wings of our health freedom. But if we have a red team president, which we have now, We will not see a federal mandate for vaccines. Andy, your film, 1986, The Act, is exactly about aggressive policy that dangerously clipped the wings of our health freedom and protects vaccines and their damage from any liability in the marketplace. And the U.S. government is paying out on average $200 million a year for these damages while states are mandating, we have five states now that are mandating the use of these products in children. I want to make sure we don't lose sight of where we've been because that is egregious policy that's been in place since 1986 as the world's getting distracted about where we're going. What are your thoughts about that?
0: Yes, it's fascinating. I mean, you talked about we're living it at the moment. We are actually living the movie. That was Oscar Wilde who said that, paraphrasing, that life mimics art. And we have a, a classic example of as we are trying to close this film, we are living the movie. We are actually living through a situation where we're moving closer and closer to loss of health freedom, mandatory vaccination, as Bill Gates has announced, the need, the urgent need for liability protection bizarre situation that we face and and very extreme, uh, very different from that that I believe the president and others have. The concern is that that indemnity, protection from liability for the vaccine manufacturers also has has almost become a, a rite of passage. It's now discussed as, oh, yes, we must have this. And it's accepted that it this product can get into the marketplace without any of the constraints of the free market, that's, that's deeply worrying because once you remove liability, there is no incentive to make it safe, none whatsoever. They're foreshortening the safety studies, they're circumventing the natural evolution of this process by running animal studies, safety studies in parallel with human studies rather than doing them in advance of the human studies. And um, if we're going to run into the kinds of problems that we did with respiratory syncytial virus vaccines and other vaccines, the SARS vaccine, then we have a nightmare situation evolving. The the film itself could not come at a more opportune time. It's really interesting that when we were making the film, it actually had a different act three. It was a different thing than it was a court case, and the court case kept getting bumped and bumped and bumped. And I was thinking, how are we ever going to get this? Film made and here it is, right now. The I, I, I wish right on
1: cue. <laughs>
0: what's happened? We are provided with this extraordinary Act Three, which affects every man, woman, and child on the planet. You know, before we were dealing with a, a somewhat different issue, but now we're dealing with the idea that we're all going to be tagged, microchip, vaccinated, whether we like it or not. There is a growing reaction to that. That oh no. We're not. We are not going to subscribe to the Gates Fauci model of the way this should go, but we are going to claim back. And that's what it is claiming back, because to a large extent we've lost it our health freedom in this country and worldwide.
1: Jim, in DC, what's the pitter patter? I mean, are we going to see Trump stand up to this Gates machine that clearly is behind driving this narrative? Well,
2: two things uh, uh, about that. One is what's what's surprising about Gates' position and some of the governors is he'll talk about liability protection to facilitate bringing these things online. But there's not one word I can ever recall from Gates about fulfilling society's moral and ethical obligation to compensate those who are injured. Whereas In it would be a split position if he would say, well, industry needs liability protection to move it faster, but we have to recognize our moral and ethical duty. Uh, and that was one of the motives behind the 86 Act. But Gates is utterly and completely silent. His motive is has a long, deep and sad and, and tragic philosophical tradition. Remember, hundred years ago, the eugenics movement was popular in America, that we can use the power of science to literally remake man, to perfect man biologically. And it, you know, it goes without saying the, the tragedy of history brought that to an end. Bill Gates is a form of a modern eugenicist, wanting to fundamentally alter, in this case, the human immune system, to in some on some bizarre quest to perfect man.
1: So disturbing. I mean, Andy, that's as a scientist, is that not ludicrous to think that you can outsmart nature and have this perfect trajectory of humanity? It's ludicrous. I'm mystified at watching this tap dance between government and industry and how how Gates has positioned himself with the Gates Foundation to kind of play both sides of the street. I feel that the entire intent is just the arrogance of it is, is a bit disconcerting.
0: On the point that Jim made, about the absence of any reference to compensation. I spoke to an author called Moraskin. Moraskin wrote several books where he sat in on the Global Alliance of Vaccine Initiative, I think the Gates Foundation Vaccine Initiative. He sat in on their meetings and he wrote these books based upon the sort of global vaccine strategy of, of Gavi and Gates. And I asked him, I said, did they once, in all of the deliberations, in all of the billions of dollars that they provided for worldwide vaccination, was there any discussion of vaccine safety? He said, no, none. It was not discussed. The issue of vaccine safety was simply taken as read or off the table. It was not to be discussed. And that goes hand in hand with the idea that some people will be injured. And therefore, as Jim says, they have to be compensated. But that has not been discussed. It is not acknowledged because to Acknowledge it, to acknowledge that a vaccine is harmful to some people, a number unknown, and that those people may be permanently disabled or killed is not something that should be allowed out into the public domain because it might put people off.
1: It is baked into the narrative clearly on the other side the vaccine injury is a unicorn right? It's a very small number and therefore shouldn't be anything we should be concerned about. If that is their argument, we should use the same argument with COVID against them, that the percentage of Americans that have died from COVID is 0.00008%. So if we're going to play the statistics game, why should we be shutting down the nation when a very small percentage, it's okay to do that. And by the way, if you look at the Harvard Pilgrim study, I believe it was Harvard Pilgrim, was it not, or Harvard Health, that the percentage of injury in the vaccine court represents 1%. So the numbers of vaccine injury are infinitely higher than what we're seeing with COVID, and yet it's something that continues to be denied. Jim, what do you think? That
2: goes back to the philosophical roots. Gates is obsessed with altering man to achieve perfection. That's not unlike the socialist idea of altering a uh, man's uh, work to achieve a sense of social perfection. There's an obsession there that's, I don't want to call him a modern day Nazi, but he's, he's obsessed with this, but, but not at all obsessed in a way with doing it safely or with a moral and ethical obligation to care for children, or even, even the, the slightest concern for the necessary studies, and goodness knows he could fund them, to make the products and, and, and to make his ideas as safe as possible. There's nothing mm-hmm. to balance his obsession with physically perfecting man.
1: Is that based on the fact that his father was a known eugenicist, or we have other published data that indicates that? Because it does indicate that his method is exposing the madness. And wouldn't it be wonderful to have the Gates Foundation fund a vax versus unvaxed study?
2: Uh, at this point, that wouldn't be trusted, But but yes, yes, it
0: would. You you asked uh, Laurie about the the issue of we are trying to outwit nature we are nature we cannot separate ourselves from nature you might argue on that basis that the computer is a natural evolutionary event that it came from man's creativity and man's creativity is part of nature so to try and for man to try and dissociate himself from nature and outwit it is naive is grandiose and, and uh, vainglorious so I think that we do not accord nature the respect it deserves including ourselves and i think that what we do is we and we saw this and we talked about this many times is that we tried to outwit bacteria with antibiotics and we failed Mm. now we have a huge problem we tried to outwit viruses with vaccines and we have failed and are failing very very badly we tried to outwit bacteria with vaccines such as pertussis and we've failed very very badly and We went from the sort of headline by Salzburg in Forbes that, you know, anti-vaxxers are responsible for the return of pertussis to the Boston University group, Christopher Gill's group, saying, actually, we made assumptions upon assumptions. We thought we understood the way in which the human immune system interacted with this bacteria, and we were wrong. We may be in the unfortunate position of admitting that we made some big mistakes. That doesn't get the publicity that it needs, and I wonder what Christopher Gill is doing for a living right now, having published that. But nonetheless, the truth is very, very different, and it comes down to man's ability or belief in his ability to outwit these things this whole Wu flu and where it came from, I see that increasingly the shift in the media position and then the government's position is that this came from a laboratory in China, Mm -hmm, not necessarily mm -hmm. a bioweapon, but that it was a virus that was under investigation there and one which escaped inadvertently. There's a new study out from France, very, very interesting that you and I have discussed, and it looks at a uh, an element within the spike glycoprotein. It, it actually is concerned with what it finds is a, what's called, and I'll, it doesn't matter about the detail, it's called a furin-like cleavage site, which is absent in other coronaviruses of the same clade. And clades are, if you like, subfamilies of viruses that have a common genetic origin and share therefore molecular genetic characteristics and so they have found this unusual furin-like cleavage site which is not present in other viruses from what are called beta coronaviruses and that furin-like cleavage site provides increased facility of this agent potentially to get into human cells it allows the virus to infect human cells And the interpretation is that this is not something that occurred in nature. It was something that was engineered and it was engineered for this gain of function phenomena, which is to improve its ability in this case to be infectious to humans. Now, if that is the truth, and I think this this kind of paper is part of the reason why the government and the media are feeling more bullish about blaming the Wuhan laboratory, is that it does despite the evidence to date, it does look like this came from a laboratory virus. And did it escape or was it released deliberately? We'll never know. I'm sure we'll never know. But it is extremely worrying because, again, it comes back to the issue, we should not be doing this. Scientists have said this, we should not be doing this kind of thing because we do not know what we're doing. We are manipulating and trying to exploit nature and we are getting it very badly wrong. It will escape, and it has escaped, if that is the case, if this study is to be believed. And it always will do, and we pay an enormous price. This kind of study, one could argue, is totally irresponsible. This kind of science should not be done. It will lead us to catastrophe if we continue it.
1: Yes, was it pushed or did it jump? (laughs) We've seen these headlines going back to January, uh, people speculating and media speculating about whether this came out of a level four bioweapons lab in China, if there were collusion at all with the United States government. Dr. Judy Mikovits talked about this last week. And on the Epoch Times, very well done documentary about this, sort of a frontline line. Style documentary that dropped two weeks ago about it. You can find it on their YouTube channel. And even Fox News, I noticed the other day, is acknowledging this. I'm wondering if this is why President Trump is defunding the World Health Organization. I know it wouldn't be just because of this. And he certainly hasn't stated this as the reason. He stated, I believe, that it was because of their misleading information and their connection with China and the fact that we give them almost $500 million a year. Jim, this is a huge thing for the United States to take as a position to step away from WHO. I don't know if there would be any other president that would be willing to take such a stand other than President Trump. Do you think that this uh, is gonna uh, this is going to further agitate the potential relationship between him and Bill Gates? Sure, because uh,
2: WHO is an ultimate and globalist organization and Trump has a natural instinct against globalism, Gates is the ultimate globalist. So there's a natural tension between the worldview of those two men. I just hope this follow through. We still live in the midst of an accountability crisis where when people will occasionally say the right thing, we've got to look at this, look at that, look at WHO, but nothing ever comes of it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the, the WHO failure here, I mean, if we're going to have a commission of inquiry, which there I think should be, then it has to lead to something. and a scrapping of our support for the WHO entirely a new a new treaty org- organization with enforceable obligations something because we're we're headed down a slippery slope all of which share the common feature that people who do wrong are not held accountable institutions that do wrong are not held accountable who is going to be responsible for the CDC screw up 3 4 weeks and the regulatory screw up oh. with the FDA on the testing kits and on the uh, approval of the private labs testing kits that cost us as dearly as the WHO failure and and those people and those institutions structural institutions must be held accountable or this will happen again
1: so does an organization like the WHO have a responsibility to investigate what Andy is saying about this particular component that makes this virus more transmittable throughout the human population is this something that they should be looking at right away and what are the implications? Andy and I met with a particular connector to the Israeli army who stated very clearly as a scientist that this particular virus had to come from a laboratory. It would never have mutated from the SARS virus to COVID-19 containing four amino acids in a natural evolutionary state. This had to be manipulated in the lab. So we heard that back in February and now the drums are beating even louder on this narrative. Does the WHO have an obligation to investigate this? Of course, maybe it's a rhetorical question, but I am concerned that we will never see even this level of inquiry conducted.
2: Well, an organization cannot inquire into its own failures, it's impossible. there have to be a separate commission of inquiry. The WHO has already lied. They can't be trusted with any sort of inquiry. It would have to be a separate body. Ever since the Enlightenment, if not way before, there's been a real tension between scientists and politicians that many scientists, the team that developed the atomic and hydrogen bombs, uh, David Baltimore and his team that developed recombinant DNA, many scientists seem to have a view that they will be able to control ethically how their work is used. And that just isn't true. History has shown just the opposite, that politicians get a hold of the work of scientists, including people like Josef Mengele, and they use it for political ends. Mm. So the question of what can be done, what should be done, scientists want to think they own that question, but they really don't. And I know we're, we're supposed to have had a ban in this country on improvement of function research, but that's clearly not happening. It's going on in, in this case in China, and I, I suspect it for Dietrich as well.
0: Mm.
1: So, Andy, we may be facing the fact that we will never know, and even if we do, the people responsible will never be held accountable.
0: Yes. How does America hold China accountable? Indeed, how does America investigate the workings of the Wuhan lab? Alternatively, if the National Institutes of of Health were involved in funding such studies through Tony Fauci, we will never, I suspect, we will never get to know actually happened, it would be extremely unlikely for Fauci to want to take any responsibility for this issue. So it will be very, very difficult. And then that leads to the subsidiary question of in holding people accountable, how do you do that? What steps are taken, for example, against China for reparation? And and that's a very, very difficult one.
1: Right. And who should be leading the charge? I mean the world health organization was putting out much different numbers at the beginning of this crisis the modelers that have been used by dr burks and fauci in advising the white house their identity kept private we're not allowed to know who they are but their hand has been tipped that they they go back to stanford and harvard and you know some of the traditional players in the ivy league band of of warriors that work with government I'm concerned that we had this microbiologist from Harvard, Lieber, I believe is his name, who has been arrested recently. What is his role play? These are the kinds of questions, and we talked about this in accountability and journalism a couple of podcasts ago, that I think our media should be looking at and the fact that we have a president who's brave enough to take steps and actions in the public policy arena to raise these concerns, we don't have a media that are following his lead. They continue to be relatively hostile at the press conferences, and they aren't asking the questions that they should be asking, which is probably why we've seen a rise in citizen journalism. We see Americans scrambling for information on YouTube, on various alternative sites, trying to get to the bottom of what's happening. We have seen, after we did our podcast a couple episodes ago, where I challenged citizens to go and look at their local ER. I've seen multiple postings now of people going to their local hospital and seeing empty waiting rooms, not seeing this explosion of patients. We have ventilators that weren't needed. We had a a ship sent to New York that wasn't needed. Now, maybe it is because of the social distancing. But this is a huge moment in history. This was a giant decision to shut down the most prosperous economy we've had, if not one of the most prosperous economies we've had in our country. There's a duty to the American people to get to the bottom of this.
0: I think fortunately, the American people have become very skeptical. Certainly, and there is an information bias clearly in what I see and read in my limited ventures into social media, but there is Clearly a substantial reaction to the shutdown, to the Gates vaccine initiative, to the Chinese. People are not only skeptical of their intent, but are also very, very angry at the price that they've had to pay um, personally for this issue.
1: We saw that in Michigan. There was a flat out demonstration demanding that they open the state back up, right? We saw that a couple of days ago. And now we've got Governor Newsom prohibiting Any kind of large crowd events until there's a vaccine, combined with now Mayor Garcetti has released a whole slew of inmates and they're saying there may be a crime wave in L.A. or in uncharted territory. I mean, what in the heck is going on? And can California get any worse? Are they waiting for this? I believe Google is coming out in three weeks with some kind of chip tattoo Thing. Is this maybe what Newsom is waiting for? Is it going to come to that, Jim? I think really California has no civil liberties left at this point.
2: Well, it's the fear of the unknown in this case, and the fear of death that's motivational You know, to authoritarians. Authoritarians use fear, real and imagined. to to achieve their authoritarian ends, which is population control. And since this is global and and doesn't stop at the city or state line, we're going to struggle with this for the next, at least the next year as to how to live with, if we do develop a a, a, a vaccine at some point, so I think there's 20 in trial now, you know, there will be the first question is, will it be mandatory, will it be voluntary? How will we prove it? Will we be able to, to interpose immunity as a defense? you know, that'll be immediately, it'll be a lot of pressure to make it mandatory.
1: By saying interpose immunity, you're saying do a tighter test and then prove that we have antibodies, which I I think in concept is great if you're going to opt out of a vaccine, but I don't think we should have to get to that point, right? That's the show me your papers paradigm. I don't want to live in that world. I'm not getting on the train. So I'm concerned. I get it. And I know that's a slippery slope. And I think that's, you know, that, that's why people are becoming more outspoken and Americans are starting to really scratch their heads and say, wait a minute, what what's really going on here? As we close, I would love to know from each of you, what do you think as a movement, what do you think the health freedom activists and the health freedom movement need to do next to try to address this? Jim, you first.
2: Well, uh, transparency is the absolute first thing. You know, there, there's all kinds of stories from all over the world about how they're overcounting or undercounting the deaths, they don't have a they have an association sometimes, sometimes a causation to the Wu flu. All these decisions have to be based on transparent data. We can actually come to some common consensus on what the numbers are. That's the first thing that the movement should insist on: is absolute transparency of the identified, of course, you protect privacy, but transparency of everything so we can see what's really been going on. That's of the models, of the virus data, of the of the countermeasures. Of the formula for the vaccine, of all the testing and clinical trials, and certainly of all the medical records associated with anybody who may have suffered as a result of the flu. There has to be complete transparency.
1: Andy, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, it's a huge question. I mean, do you follow the model of, of California or do you follow the model of uh, many of the other states in America? We have to avoid. We have to do everything we can to protect freedom and avoid this notion of mandatory vaccination. We have to for, for all kinds of reasons. But there is there firstly there is no place whatsoever in medicine for mandating any medical procedure, any medical intervention whatsoever. History has taught us that. This is particularly fraught with hazard inasmuch that the consequences of these vaccines may be delayed. They may not be evident for some years. They may not be evident until you encounter a re-exposure to a coronavirus, which then produces a much worse reaction in the vaccinees than the unvaccinated, those who have natural immunity, for example. So those clinical trials would have to be run for a very, very long time. And there is absolutely no intention of doing that. And so we in the health freedom community, which is a growing community, there's absolutely no question about that need to seize this opportunity and make decisions come November about who we are going to vote for based upon this issue, upon nothing else, upon this issue, because this is really going to define us as a species going forward. If you open the door to mandatory vaccination of every man, woman and child, whereas at the moment, state by state, it's variously restricted to children, then we face dire consequences uh, for for the human race. So we need to resist the pharmaceutical industry narrative. We need to resist the gates now. We need to demand health freedom. We need to trust in our own immune system, our own innate ability to protect ourselves and heal. And you know that will that is a much safer alternative than going down this path of the unknown. So yes, a dark thought, but it's nonetheless, it's such an important time for Americans and indeed the human race, uh, that we need to make decisions not based upon our historical political alliances or based upon the economy, even though the economy was thriving in advance of this situation, but upon Selfishly, upon what the implications are for ourselves and our families and our our children and grandchildren, our parents. What are the implications for all of us for yielding health freedom out of a temporary experience like this for the long term?
1: It's the most important moment in our history as a nation because we know the world follows our policy footprints. I really hope and pray that we have a huge wake up to the American public. Once they see your film, 1986, the act, and they learn the truth, not only about what led up to the act, but the reality that these are protected toxic products that have a huge safety fail. And that is really what we need in order to expand our ranks. Thank you both so much. We'll continue to monitor. And Jim, we're so grateful. Thank you for joining us again today.
0: Thank
2: you, Jim. Thank Thank, you. Thank you. Always my pleasure.
1: You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Weekly Podcast, a place where stories are being told that have never been heard before. This is a Seventh Chakra Films production in collaboration with Brick City Creative. Please follow and like us while you still can on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 1986 The Act and soon on SPHERE.